Broadcasting to you from the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, this is the Talk the T-Town podcast where we discuss all things track cycling. Hello listeners, welcome back to the Talk of the T-Town podcast. After a bit of a hiatus, uh, hopefully during the hiatus, you've enjoyed some of the interviews that we've been posting on our website of some of our athletes and some of the personalities in and around the track, which was recorded and presented by Service Electric Cable TV. I'm your host for today, Rick Butel, board chair of the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, and I'm going to be interviewing our new leader here at the track, Andrew Paradowski. So uh, without any further ado, hello, Andrew. How are you doing today? Hi, Rick. Not too bad. Thank you very much. Well, uh, we're really pleased to have you on board. We did uh, go through a change of leadership uh, earlier in the season, as probably most of our listeners and most people around the track know. Uh, Because of that and because of the exciting summer of racing, which we've had here in T-Town, We'll talk about it, right, with our great UCI block and mm-hmm. just coming off nationals. It's been a bit of a busy first summer for you. You want to tell us, like, how things are going so far? For sure, yeah. Things are going great. Um, it has been busy because uh, I wasn't able to uh, get down here until sort of the end of May, uh, which uh, means we're jumping in uh, feet first into the pool uh, as the uh, the summer's already uh, going on. There was a bit of a reprieve because we were doing that uh uh, recoding of the track over the over the winter, so the season didn't start in April like it normally did. But uh, even then, it was uh, uh, still like you know, sort of jumping in as things were moving along. So uh, it's been uh, a little bit of catch up and a little bit of running things here. But uh, I think overall, the season that was planned uh, by uh, Joan and the and the group here at uh, T Town before I arrived uh, has been able to uh, to be run well and and, and successfully. Uh, people have had fun. Uh, we've had uh, you know great uh, increases in the number of riders that we've seen over the last couple of years at the UCI events uh uh, participation in uh the community programs is a little bit slow this year uh but it started to ramp up over the summer uh, as more people realized that the track was open after the uh the closure for the winter um and uh and then also we're getting the word back out that we're we're here we're open and and uh you know there's a lot of fun to be had here at uh, at t-town so a bit of a slow start but uh you know i think we got uh, the wheels turning and uh i think everything is coming along quite nicely right now so as I think about the slow start, and you're right, it was a bit of a you know uh, slow out of the blocks, and most of that was due to the resurfacing, right? And especially that impacted community programming pretty hard. Um, but what feedback have you been getting about the new surface? I mean, uh, people happy with it? Is it faster? Um, it certainly looks a hundred times better than uh, last year's track. Yeah, I think the feedback is super positive about it. Uh, I mean, you're right, the looks are, are you know, night, night and day for sure. Uh, you know, if you look at photos from previous uh, years, even just 2021, you can see cracks and ruts all over the uh, the concrete. And this year it's uh, a nice, almost almost looks like a painted smooth surface. Um, so people are, are pretty excited to be on it. It's, uh, it's quite smooth to ride on, uh, maybe a little bit faster. Uh, and that might be evidenced by the fact that uh, quite a few track records have dropped this summer. Um, now, of course, that's also from the great training that those riders have done. <laughs> <laughs> but it certainly does uh, certainly sh- does help that the track is uh, a bit smoother to run, and uh, and they also had some some good weather on those days to to help get them to those points. But uh, it's uh, certainly uh, you know a great thing to come here uh, fresh for me as well when the the track is new and not to come in you know, a couple of years ago when uh, it was at sort of the end of its uh, sort of resurfacing life. So it's nice to have that uh, that fresh start for my uh, for my new start here. Yeah, certainly. I mean, and I'm certainly hoping that, you know, we can get another 10 to 12 years out of this surface as we've got out of the last time we did this, because it's not an inconsequential amount of money. And it's sort of an investment in the future here in T-Town. So great to see the times are faster and hopefully the athletes are happy with it. For sure. So I guess maybe just by way of background, um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I mean, probably a lot of people have seen you around the track. Maybe people have said, hello, how you doing? Uh, or had a little bit more colorful feedback from time to time. But uh, maybe just to fill in, riff a little bit on your background, um, your background in cycling in particular, and, and why you're so passionate about this sport that we all love. For sure. Um, so I've been in cycling pretty much most of my life. Um, I'd say I, you know, like every every young uh, child, you know, got on the bike as as soon as possible, uh, as it's a good activity for 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 young folk to get into. 
Um, and uh, I guess I was spurred on uh, at, a, at a fairly young age by uh, one of my uncles who was uh, competing as a, as a you know, amateur pro back in the 80s. Uh, okay, I guess I guess I just aged myself a little bit there. So uh, my uncle, who was uh, you know a, a Cat One Two racer back in the '80s, uh, I kind of looked up to him a bit, and I was like, "Oh, this racing thing looks really cool, and I want to I want to try that out." So you know, uh, when I uh, got to uh, sort of my early teen years, I, uh, I decided that I wanted to you know get involved with that, and I got my first race bike and uh, started uh, doing some road cycling back then. Um, it uh, it lasted for a couple of years when I got to sort of the junior, uh, the, the I guess the true UCI junior age group, that uh, 17, 18 group, uh, before I sort of, uh, you know, hung up my, uh, my, my bike shoes and, and stopped for a while. A lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, sort of how the development was going in Ontario at the time. There weren't too many kids in, in racing at that point. Um, so, you know, there wasn't a lot of development going on and not a lot of support. So, you know, as I was getting later into my uh, sort of high school years, it, I, I sort of, you know, tuned out and dropped out like, uh, you know, a lot of uh, young racers might do, especially when they get even older into college and university. So that happened for me a bit earlier. So um, there's a saying here, right? I mean, we lose a lot of young riders to uh, once they get to be a certain age, the three deadly liquids, right? You know, perfume, gasoline and alcohol a little bit later in their life. But I like yeah. that. I've never yeah. heard that. That's good. I like that. Um, so I guess I was sort of away from the sport for maybe the better part of a decade uh, as I went off to university. Um, you know, I still rode my bike uh, casually, transport, all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I like left racing just because I was sort of maybe mildly disillusioned by it um, uh, in my teen years. And then, you know, you graduate, you go out into the real world, you get a big boy job. And, uh, you know, I start, uh, you know, thinking, oh, well, you know, I should probably you know, get some fitness involved in my life here, you know, working a lot uh, and fitness is good for both your physical and mental health. So, you know, it's like, well, you know, a lot of people go to the gym and all this stuff. And I said, well, you know, I like bike racing as a kid, so why don't I get back into it? And, uh, you know, I uh, said, okay, well, I'll try to look around for uh, for a bike club to join because that's what, you know, I learned as a kid that you join a bike club. And also back in Ontario, uh, in uh, when I was racing as a, as a junior, there was a requirement that you had to go to a learn to race program before you were issued a license. Oh, before they give you a license, really? Right. Yeah, well, you, that's it, a good idea, actually. Actually, if you see some some of the people that are just starting out, maybe that maybe that's a good thing from a safety standpoint. Right, and, and we do, of, and we do that kind of thing here at the track with yeah. try the track a little bit. You know, it's it's not quite a certification, uh, but it certainly does give people the opportunity to try it out in a controlled environment, as opposed to just sort of jumping into the deep end and going right into a race. Um, so that wasn't the case uh, when I when I got back into cycling in the late zeros. Um, I, I but I didn't know this, and so I you know did the online search and I found this uh, cycling club uh, called Midweek Cycling Club in uh, Mississauga, Toronto. And um, by the way, I don't know if uh, we mentioned yet I'm from Canada, eh? You're from Canada, eh? Take off, you hoser. Um, so uh, the, uh, this was the club that uh, came up first when I typed in Learn to Race and I you know, called them up and said, hey, I want to join your Learn to Race program. And um, you know, I found out later that I didn't need to, but I said, <laughs> well, this is, this is a good enough club and it's close to where I live and you know, this is great. And, uh, so I got back into racing there uh, in the late zeros, and um, I have a I have a history, uh, I have a work history of working in in the events field. Uh, and when I like say that, it was mostly kind of like um, um, uh, in the uh, in the sort of like event production, like audio visual stuff. Uh, I was a DJ for a while. Uh, worked with a company that did a lot of like you know corporate events and all that kind of stuff. So I have a background in running events. Turned out this club was also uh, an event-driven club, right? Oh, they, interesting. Okay. The uh, they they put on a lot of events uh, in in Ontario, including the weekly Tuesday night crit. Um, quite a few of the sort of larger races they call them uh, O Cups, Ontario Cup uh, road races in uh, in the summers, uh, as well as uh, provincial championships a few time uh, cross races in the late zeros. They ran a couple of UCI cross races in Toronto, and I got involved with them. And you know, I was sort of a natural fit to help them out because of my event background, and you know, I just kept getting tagged to do more and more. And yeah, you became the guy, right? Yeah, you know, it's like that's always the case, right? You know, it's <laughs> like, hey, you want to come help out, and you get dragged into it, and soon you're enveloped by this whole thing, and. Yeah, I mean, I can relate a little bit of that. So the next thing you know, you're the chairman of a nonprofit board, and you yeah, know, everybody's well, got lots of feedback for you. I'm next sure thing you're I knew, familiar with that. Yeah, exactly. Next thing I knew, I was the president of the club. So, <laughs> right. Careful, you know, what you wish for. careful what you wish for. Careful what you wish for. And uh, you know, so I, I, you know, did a lot of work there, and um, you know, I started organizing more and riding less, and you know, I never really got past uh, you know being a, a, a sort of a cat two, cat three rider. The, the systems don't uh, compare in Ontario and, and uh, in the U.S. here, but uh, you know, I was never a top top rider, and I never would because I was, I'm more of an endurance guy. Um, time trialing was my uh, was my thing, and the only way I ever uh, upgraded was because of um, 
uh, winning stage races, like short stage races, where setting a good time trial time and staying right. with the and pack. Everybody's is, chasing you the rest of the way. Right. Yeah. 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 So you know that was sort of uh, my the only way that I could get up there. But uh, so I you know a couple of years of uh, of doing that, and uh, you know at one point I'm you know I'm helping out with racing, and I get tapped on the the shoulder at the at the finish line, saying, Hey, you're you're pretty good at this this finish line scoring stuff. And I go, oh, I don't know. It seems pretty straightforward. It's like, have, <laughs> it's like, have you ever thought about being a commissaire? And I'm like, No. What's that? Yeah. Right. There <laughs> you, you know, go. I've been in cycling for you know over a decade at this point, and obviously with a gap, and um, and I had no idea what a commissaire was. I guess you know I understood the concept of a referee, but you know no one you know these are kind of the people that just sort of operate in the background and produce this result that you know I looked at on paper, and I was like, oh okay, that sounds like a cool thing, and and you know you know 15 years later here I am, and you know I'm a UCI commissaire uh, in track cycling and elite national and road, and that was quite a quite a big long journey for me uh, there but uh, that's where that started you know again just sort of getting roped into it as a volunteer and and you know being involved in the sport let me tell you being a commissaire is a great way to stay in the sport if uh, you know you find out that you don't have the same the same kind of time you used to for training you know it takes you know 10 12 hours a week minimum of training just to stay in and more if you want to compete yeah i think we all suffer from that and, right you know your journey along the way i think is indicative of a lot of people who yep. you know maybe did it when they were younger then got a job or got married or had kids and you know i think one of the best things about cycling in general whether you're racing or not is you know you can always go back to it mm -hmm. and i think we see a lot of our athletes here right people that were great and then maybe life and you know everything else got in the way for a while and then we get them back as masters for sure so uh so for all, all of you out there uh if you're interested in, in you know becoming a commissaire let us know and we could always use a few more to uh, to help out with stuff like that. It's it's the best seat in the house. You get to watch bike racing, and uh, and and have fun doing it. Uh, if for any of you who play or go to watch baseball, sorry, um, you know it's it's very similar. You know you sit there in the stands and you got your little scorebook and you're counting the runs on the sheet and stuff like that. It's you know it's like every sport. There's people who want to track it, and that's essentially what it is. It's a great way to watch, and especially if you like road racing, uh, the best seat in the house is in the car following the pack, right? Instead of sitting on the side and seeing it come around once every 40 minutes. So, so uh, this is a little PSA. It's a little shameless self-promotion here to get more more officials out there. So if you're interested, reach out to us here at the track. Sure, for sure. And I'm sure USA Cycling would appreciate that because that's not just a local problem here in T-Town, right? I mean, we've got an official shortage, I believe, nationally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so anyways, to make a long story short, too late. Um, <laughs> we're getting into the early teens here of my, uh, of my, my cycling life story. Um, so, uh, I actually moved out to British Columbia for a couple of years and, uh, you know, did my thing out there and, uh, came back in 2011 to Ontario to, uh, to help run the, uh, the road national championships, uh, in, uh, Milton, Ontario, where the, the track is, uh, uh that was uh, built there, uh, about five years ago or seven years ago now, sorry. And, uh, you know, I, uh, we, we put the event on and the uh, Ontario uh, Federation, so the Ontario Cycling Association was pretty impressed with, uh, you know, what we put on and, and liked what I did for the, uh, for the event. Uh, and they offered me a job at the Federation uh, as their technical director to, uh, to help other organizers uh, learn the sort of skills of the trade and how to run an effective bike race and stuff like that. So spent the next three years there uh, helping out uh, all the local organizers uh, develop and learn and, and uh, you know, put on a really good uh, cycling scene. Um, and then uh, after that, then my next uh, my next stop on the cycling tour was at the Pan Am Games. I was the the, the chair of the uh, the cycling events there in 2015 uh, for road cycling. I uh, I was officiating on the track side. Okay. But I uh, I ran the uh, the road cycling events in Toronto and Milton, and that was okay. Uh, oh, it was right in your backyard. Right you didn't in my backyard. Have, you didn't have to go to Colombia or Argentina. No, or place no, like no. That. And yeah. and it was literally right in my backyard. Okay. Uh, the uh, the road circuit. Uh, took place. It started at Ontario Place, which is on the waterfront in Toronto, and uh, went westward along Lakeshore Boulevard, which was kind of like the the I'll call it the it's not a service road, but it's the road parallel to the major highway that goes into downtown Toronto. Okay. And uh, we shut the whole thing down, and you know, uh, big three lane you know, multi-lane road in both ways. And it ended up going, uh, detouring into High Park, which is the probably the second biggest, um, you know, public park in, in downtown Toronto. It's, you know, several hundred acres. Uh, and then there's a, it's pretty much the only climbing you're gonna get in Toronto. I think it might've been a 30 or 40 meter climb. Okay. Uh, but, you yeah. know, with the circuit, we did it a few times and it actually had a switchback in it. So it was a, it was a neat course. And that was, you know, only maybe a, a few miles from, from where I lived. So yeah, literally in my backyard. So that summer, um, and this is sort of where the story gets interesting, I suppose. Um, you know, uh, organizers would, would contact me and say, hey, like, you know, uh, what happened? I hear you're not with uh, Ontario Cycling anymore. And, and I said, yeah, you know, I've moved on to, uh, to different things. And they're like, well, who's going to help me with our bike races? And, and I said, well, I don't know. I'm sure they'll have somebody there for you. And they're like, well, 
can we pay you to come out to our bike races and help us? And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, like, sure, right? You know, pay me to do something I love. Yeah, and, yeah. Right? So, yeah, you know, I, I did a couple of gigs uh, and, and then I said, oh, I wonder, like, maybe I can make something of this. And, you know, like, I wasn't sure if there was, you know, a, a, especially in Ontario, you know, it's, it's a fairly small scene, right? You know, it's a population of 15 million, mm -hmm. a little bit smaller than Pennsylvania, but, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of it is concentrated in Southern Ontario. Um, but, you know, it's a fairly small cycling scene, much like cycling is in North America. It's not, you know, it's a European sport. And, you know, we, we try our best out here, but it certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't have the numbers that they have out there. And um, so I said, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And I, I spent a year sort of doing it uh, just, you know, as a, I don't want to call it a hobby, but I was trying to see if it would work as a business, and it turns out it did. So in 2016, I went full gas into it and opened up my own uh, event management company, and uh, have been doing that ever since. Uh, basically, uh, running my own events, running other people's events mm -hmm. across the spectrum of cycling, road, little mountain bike, uh, definitely a lot of cyclocross. Cyclocross, sure, um, yeah, and. Uh, and gravel, probably right. The beginnings of gravel. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then of course, you know, odd events here and there. Um, and uh, I also uh, started doing a lot of uh, timing and scoring uh, with a colleague of mine, uh, Doug Pogue. He's been here. Oh, sure. Yeah. A couple of times, mm -hmm. uh, helping out with our large races um, from uh, from RaceTiming.ca. Shameless plug. Mm -hmm. um, You're welcome, Doug. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then you know it's sort of growing the business and growing and growing and things were going well and and you know. 2019 fall of 2019 i'm looking at the books going how you know like i actually might end up in the block this year right <laughs> coming next year it's going to be it's going to be great it's 2020 be is going to be my sailing. banner year sure yeah as they say god has a sense of humor yeah yeah so we all know what happened the next year and everything just just shut down you know and people in events and not just in sports but any event they were the first ones to go and the last ones to get back in right, right. because it was all all about gathering people together right so you know restrictions we were the basically the I had nothing to do in 2020 and you know there was a small reprieve I guess um, in uh, the late 2020 when it looked like they were lifting restrictions and we kind of almost got the engine cranked over but then you know it uh, I guess the second wave came in Canada and, and then we shut down pretty quickly after that so yeah just a, a year of, of doing nothing the business flatlining and you know uncertainty ahead so what did I do I decided to get married well, there you go, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We'd actually, uh, I had, uh, I had proposed to to my wife Chantal back in um, in August of uh, 2019. Again, looking forward to this big 2020 wedding, and of course, you know, as it happens, things things change and, and life change. So we still got married in the in the uh, in the fall, and it was a um, a nice small wedding on her parents' uh, back deck uh, up in Nobleton, Ontario, uh, for a very very small group. Uh, but it was still it was nice to have that uh, that small group and and do that small wedding and. Um, you know, big weddings can be expensive. So maybe oh my gosh, the small you saved yourself there. a fortune. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, precisely. Yep. And you probably had the people yeah. that really meant something to you that you wanted there anyway, Absolutely. right? So yeah, so, that's what you'll remember. So, so 2021 rolls around and, you know, um, you know, Canada was uh, probably a bit more stricter on the, on the restrictions than, than, you know, you saw down here in the U.S. Oh, um, oh my gosh. I was going to Canada for business some. And I, I think uh, the people that were doing the swab testing for COVID when you get there, like wiped half of my brain out. I think that's how far up yeah, very so, very enthusiastic on making sure that COVID didn't spread any further. Yeah, and then there were there, there were some choices that were made in Ontario that uh, that made the restrictions uh, roll right into the summer. So so here I am looking at year two of, of you know no business and uh, I've got nothing going on, and I get this call from a, a colleague of mine down here, Tom Maines. Uh, he does a lot of the uh, the timing and scoring here at the track. I think he was on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we had a podcast you know. with Tom, and you yeah. know our listeners that come frequent the track will know Tom and. You know, Tom does a little bit of track racing, a little bit of crit racing. Yeah. So, you know, you see him out in, a, out in a boot, as you would say, as well. Nobody says that in Canada. <laughs> it's, it's fake news. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Tom uh, gave me a shout and said, hey, you know, uh, I was talking to, uh, to my friend Joan, who was uh, my predecessor here. And uh, they said that, you know, they, were, they had this really big block of racing coming up and, uh, you know, they could uh, sh show you some help. And I know that nothing's going on for you up in Canada right now. It's basically just, you know, everything's shut down. Like, if you want to come on down to help out, uh, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. And, uh, and I was like, you know, so I spoke to Joan. I said, hey, you know, I'm free. If you need some help, I can come down and pitch in, whatever. And uh, she was like, yeah, we'd, we'd be glad to have you down here. And uh, so I came down and helped out with some of the, the racing at the UCI block and the Elite Nationals last year. And um you know had a lot of fun this is a great track it was actually my first time uh, at this track oh, first time to my very first time okay. to t-town last year uh, i'd heard about it and i heard all the great things uh, about this track uh, from before you know leg legend uh, in in the u.s it's been around for almost 50 years so not surprising it's built up that reputation um so uh and and it lived up to a lot of it too like it's a it's a great place a great community down here 
Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, been to obviously a few other tracks and we've had Milton, uh, in the, in uh, Canada for, I guess now about seven years that was built for the Pan Am games. Uh, so it was a nice, a nice refreshing change to come to, to an outdoor track and see how different things are run and all that kind of stuff. So, so I, I left after that, came back to Canada and the, um, um, the restrictions were being lifted and we were be able to get back into things. And, you know, I had a great cross season, uh, started off a new cross race, which I was pretty proud of because it was a nice, uh, a fun little thing in, in Northern Milton. And then, uh, you know, after having been down here, I, uh, I was chatting with, uh, with Joan, uh, on the phone, uh, for, for some things. And she's like, Oh, by the way, I've, uh, I've, I'm leaving the track. Yeah. She got the offer. She couldn't refuse. I mean, terrible, right? Move to Santa Cruz, California and have the dream job working for BMC and get yep. a bunch of free BMC stuff. I mean, that sounds awful. I'm sure I wouldn't like that one bit. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so she's like, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna post for the job and, uh, um, you know, you seem to fit in really well down here. You have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills. You seem to like track cycling and, you know, a lot of this can be glutton for punishment sometimes, so, <laughs> you know, and, uh, if, 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 you know, you're interested, uh, you know, throw your hat in the ring and it's like, okay, well, you know, I was, uh, you know, track is something that, uh, I've, I've come to be, it, it has come to be my, my sort of favorite discipline, um, as evidenced by that's the, you know, discipline that I've focused on in terms of my commissary life. Uh, I, I, I live in Milton, Ontario. I mean, when, when Chantal and I decided to uh, buy a house together, we're, you know, we were priced out of Toronto. I'm sure everybody knows that Toronto is like one of the most expensive real estate markets in North America. So, you know, we're like, well, we can't live in downtown Toronto. So, you know, if we're going to move to the outskirts, we might as well move to a, a town where we're going to spend most of our time, time anyways, because anyway, of the track. Right? Yeah, right. So, um, you know, we, uh, uh, so we moved there and, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time at the track. I, you know, do a lot of stuff there. And uh, so it's like, well, you know, this is the kind of opportunity that comes along, I think, you know, once or twice in your life. And, and when it came along, I was like, well, you know, like, what's the worst that can happen? It shows that I'm still interested in, in you know, being maybe a part of T-Town and that, uh, you know, I like my time here. And if they, they choose somebody else, then great. And, you know, I can come and maybe hopefully still come down and help out here or there and maybe officiate some races and whatnot. So, um, you know, threw my resume in and uh, got an interview and then a couple weeks later got a call and they said hey it was actually rick it was you who called me i'll let you tell this story yeah so speaking from the other side of the table yeah. maybe right i mean uh, we were all a bit surprised when joan announced that she was you know going to move on stay within the world of cycling which is good and actually you know she's helped out some of our athletes that have come and raced at the track uh this summer some of you might have seen clever with his brand new bmc track bike i think uh um, you know, he's doing a nice job and he's, you know, an ambassador, right, for that brand and, you know, like the happiest person I've ever met, which is wonderful. Um, but anyway, I digress. So um, we were surprised. Uh, we sort of, you know, uh, shined the bat light up onto the clouds and said, hey, we're looking for a new executive director. Uh, we had a number of folks apply who were interested from, you know, literally all around the U.S. and, and Canada. Um, and you can imagine, right, running a velodrome is not a, you know, you can go put an ad in the paper and get five people locally, right? I mean, literally, we had people from all over. So um, the board, we looked at all the applicants, we shortlisted, we interviewed, you know, three or four candidates that were shortlisted. And, um, you know, I think it was wonderful having you express interest and then ultimately having you come back because you had been down in T-Town the summer before and you sort of knew how the place was run, um, you know, knew some of the, you know, what I'd say, quirks and features, right, good and bad. And um, no, I think you hit the ground running. We would have been much happier to get you down here a little bit before May, but uh, that is uh, due to our friends at uh, the United States uh, Border Protection Agency. So there's some vetting that had to be done in order to legitimately get you into the country and have everything work out as it's working out now. So. No, I mean, speaking from the board perspective, we're very happy you're here and, you know, hit the ground running. You said it earlier. I'll echo it. I guess maybe since you've been here, sort of what's the biggest surprise? Like, and maybe there weren't that many surprises because you were down here the summer before. But, you know, now you're in a different role. You're sort of in the big chair, as it were, um, you know, like good or bad or maybe a good one or and a bad one. You know, sort of what's what knocked your socks off a little bit when you're like, OK, wow, this is wonderful, or okay, wow, nobody told me about this. Okay. Um, I'll give you one of each, I think. So uh, probably we'll start with the good. Um, you know, I was uh, really surprised, but maybe not so much about the, the sort of the passion of the community here. 
those that are involved uh, with the track, whether they're you know racing or they're volunteering uh, or officiating or you know being on the board, like there's a lot of a lot of people around here who have um, a a deep connection to this place, right? And and it's not surprising because it's been around for so long, and there are people here who are multi generational, um, you know, like even. Uh, Mara had, came to the track when you were racing here when younger, and then now she's here working uh, for the track, right? So it's got a long history, and and the devotion that people have to this place, um, while while surprising, it's also kind of understood. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it's it's you know it's got a really really good culture that I think uh, it has been lying dormant for a little bit of a little while that uh, if we you know reach back out and and get people more engaged and more involved that that will reawaken a little bit so um, on the bad side um, I would say it's probably one of the one of the comments that I hear about when I first got here I, I was you know trying to meet a lot of people and talk to a lot of people including you know participants uh, in our community programs and stuff and you know one of the refrains that I kept hearing was you know um, I didn't know about this place I didn't know it existed I live one and a half miles down the road sure. and I didn't know it was here right mm -hmm. um, so it, it it's not uncommon um, you know in, in in Milton there are people I mean like this thing was built in the last decade and you know there are people in town who still don't even know there's a world-class cycling facility in their <laughs> town that their taxes are paying, paying for, for yeah. so you know it's um it's it's something that i'd like to to change um you know and 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 you know get more sort of um more people in the community to to, to know that this place exists and uh and and also not that it's just for like high-end uci racing but that it's 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 a track for everyone, you know, the community to come out to to ride their bikes, to learn how to ride a track, and you know, for it to be more of a community hub. That already existed. I think we just need to spend a little time, sort of, you know, rekindling it. So those those two things, the good and the bad, are kind of intertwined a little mm -hmm. bit, um, and and uh, you know, I feel like that can be uh, you know rebuilt back up. No, it is interesting, and you know, I've been coming here since the '80s. I didn't move to the area until 1990, but. Um, it is totally different in terms of, you know, the racing still phenomenal. You know, that's one thing that's been constant sort of all along and attracting the best people in the world to come here to T-Town uh, in the summer on a Friday night. You know, that's something that existed then, existing now. So the show really isn't a whole lot different. It's just interesting that, and I wonder how it contrasts to Milton in terms of, you know, what does your, you know, feature race event look like in terms of, you know, I'll say it, butts in seats, right? It's, it's really changed a lot here. And a little bit of it, I believe, is that, you know, in the 1980s, on a Friday night, there really wasn't a whole lot else to do in the Lehigh Valley, right? There was the Lehigh Valley Mall. There wasn't a baseball team. There wasn't, you know, everybody didn't have 500 channels of television. People didn't have the Star Trek communicator and being able to, uh, you know, literally beam content from anywhere in the world on their phone. Uh, and I think the pace of the world and the pace of life, you know, back then, and maybe I'm showing my age now, but, you know, things just seemed a bit simpler then, right? We, we didn't all hit Friday and just, you know, collapse, uh, you know, through exhaustion onto the couch on a Friday night and go, oh, thank God the week's over. But, you know, where I'm going with all of that is, you know, like, it's changed a lot. We don't have as many people on a Friday night, you know, or there are ideas that you have in terms of, you know, things that have worked at Milton in terms of promotion, getting the word out, you know, that sort of thing. You know, we have had a bunch of people move to the area. You ride your bike around here. There's 10 million new houses everywhere. Um, you know, thoughts on, you know, just even awareness in the community. For sure. So there's a there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, you started off earlier in the in the question about sort of comparing uh, Milton to here. Sure. And, uh, so it's it's tough to compare. I mean, you know, this is an outdoor 333, and Milton is an indoor 250. Um, but it's also in two different places, right? So you know, in some ways, it's night and day, or should I say, summer and winter, because <laughs> um, you know, there's nothing really going on here much past sort of the fall time. I mean, you might get the odd rider who you know is brave enough to come out here in the cold and if the track is dry enough to come and ride around but it's you know essentially not running between you know let's say october and and march kind of thing sort of the the six months there it's the opposite in milton right even though it's it's covered and it's protected from the elements year round um you know people don't want to spend their time in the summer riding on an indoor velodrome sure. right they'd rather yeah. be outside in the beautiful sunshine and you know getting that vitamin d and riding on their favorite routes and hills and stuff like that so uh, participation at the track drops off a cliff, literally. Um, there's a cliff just up the street from Milton, uh, the Rattlesnake Point uh, 
uh, escarpment. It's nice, nice view from the track, but uh, nobody goes there. Basically, like they have elite, na- excuse me, it's junior nationals in April, and then it's basically over for for track cycling until September when elite national starts up, and then uh, they'll have a sort of a winter training, riding program, and then racing season. Interesting. Um, so <clears throat> hopefully anybody who's, uh, you know, in this area, um, you know, and they're interested in some, some winter training for sure. It's only about seven hours drive to Milton from here. Um, I know there's, there's several people in the community who are trying to encourage more U S masters to go up there for the program that they have in the winter. And hopefully we can convince some of the uh, Canadians to come down here, come and, down here and, and race in the summer, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe do some, do some camps or something like that. Uh, the riding around here is, is uh, amazing, right? I mean, it's, you know, farm roads everywhere and, and the traffic is, is low to minimal. And everyone around here is really respectful. The cars, you know, they wait and they're not angry. And, you know, I've I've heard of, you know, you know, trucks, you know, in, in places where they're not so respectful, like do something like rolling coal, for example. Yeah, and, I haven't know. seen much of that around here. Yeah. Yeah. So around here, I have to say the the community is pretty, uh, pretty tolerant of, of, of cyclists and, and, and vice versa. I think everyone's, you know, they, the, you know, good, respectful road users. So, you know, I will tell anyone from Canada, if you're listening to uh, come on down to, to the area because the, the bike riding here is phenomenal. Um, but in terms of like, you know, how to, how to sustain a, a track, how to build it better, you know, what kind of events put butts in seats. It's, 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 it's tricky because, you know, I think if you look at the history of, of velodromes, uh, you know, any track that has tried to be just a track, um, you know, is, is usually on a, on a, on a, you know, one way course to, uh, to sort of failure. Right. Um, you know, there are, there are tracks who have survived in the world, especially in Europe that, that can just be a track and, and, you know, there's enough sort of support, whether it's, you know, through sponsorship or government funding, or even just from, you know, participation that can keep it running. Uh, but for the most part, um, I think if you want to have a successful velodrome, it has to be a facility that is, uh, I don't want to necessarily say multi-sport, but multi-use anyways, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, like it's, there are limits to, you know, how many people can be on the track at once. And, you know, there's only so many hours in the day that you can program a track. And, and you know, um, obviously, you know, you don't want to be getting all of your funding from, from race fees and participation fees, because then it would be too expensive to... Right, to, yeah, to, you'd never get the first person. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's you know, cycling has a history of being, a, you know, a working class sport. And, uh, you know, in, in recent years, uh, you know, the way that prices have gone for bicycles and stuff like that, it's getting away from it. Uh, but in, in, in well, however you want to look at it, I mean, it's, it should be a sport that's open to everybody. And, and, you know, you don't want cost to be a barrier for sure. So you have to find um, revenue from other sources and, you know, sponsorship is, is, you know, it's, it's here one year and it's gone the next. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to keep, uh, keep the same people happy all the time. And you're always shifting around. Uh, there are a lot of really good partners here at the, at the Valley Preferred Cycling Center. Obviously our, our title sponsor is, uh, one of the key players and, and keeps this place running. And we have a lot of great sponsors, LVHN, um, and, uh, we've got Service Electric helping us out and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss a few. So hopefully I got them all in my mind. Uh, you know, we've got some, even, even some, we'll, we'll, we'll call them, um, sort of uh, uh, local community sponsors like Shearer's and Master mm-hmm. Supply and uh, help me out here, Rick. Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, you know, I'd be mm-hmm. remiss for not mentioning the air product support, air right? Products. And running, mm-hmm. running the air products program and a lot of our great athletes that we've had over the years and have started, you know, on the air products program and just even a lot more than that of people have just come in and learned some healthy habits and learned, you know, a love for cycling and yep. maybe they never go on and, and ride a competitive race, but that's okay because... I think you're right. Yeah. We we can't just thrive as a track, right? right? We need to be a cycling center and then even an extension of a cycling yeah. center. We also can't forget the Rodale Institute uh, as well. And of course, the Rodale the Institute. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, the track wouldn't be here, right, yeah. without the grace of the Rodale family, right. and, you know, almost 50 years ago. Um, you know, so the patriarch of the family going, visiting Moscow, falling in love with track cycling and saying, you know what, we need one of these here in the Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, without that, we wouldn't be sitting here. This beautiful facility wouldn't be here. Um, and even without the continued support of Heidi and the rest of the Rodale family yep. and the Institute today, that's been a very strong partnership. Yep. And uh, look look to that continuing in the future, for sure. Yep. You know, it's great to have big, big sponsors and, you know, smaller sponsors like, you know, Shangies and, and Ocean Spray. And, and I apologize if I've missed anybody, but, uh, you know, we do value and, 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 you know, enjoy the relationships that we have with all of our sponsors and partners here, but that only gets us part of the way, yep. you know, so we have sponsorship and then we have, um, you 
know, entry fees and, and uh, ticket sales and all that kind of stuff. But there's still going to be a gap uh, with, with this kind of thing. So we have to look to other ways to, you know, support the track in, 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 in ways that can bring in some revenue. But it's not just about the revenue too, right? I mean, everything is built on, on you know, sort of eyeballs and, and, and butts and seats, as you, as you said earlier. So, um, you know, uh, I think we need to uh, shift a little bit to having more activity here at the track that will do those things so you know we already have some things running here like velo fest which uh, brings in people who are already in the cycling community but we have hundreds of vendors and you know uh, se several hundred if not over a thousand people come in uh, and participate in the spring and fall expo that bring more people to the track and you know supports the track through through revenues through that program and I understand you've set a date now for velo fest for the fall you want to tell the audience when that is we have it is uh september 24th uh, okay hopefully this program airs before that and uh, we're not still dating <laughs> yeah ourselves. well hopefully it does and hopefully there's no rain on september 24th unlike the the uh the soggy spring velo fest that we had this year absolutely and uh you know i, I gotta give a big shout out to uh to the crew here i actually didn't make it to the spring velo fest uh, and, uh, you know, so everybody here um, from the, the track, uh, Kelly and, and Maura and Wendy and, and, our, and our summer staff and all of our volunteers uh, who come and help out for these events, they, they made that event uh, run off without a hitch. And, and, you know, it was still a good event despite the downpour. So, uh, you know, this, uh, this track uh, takes a lot of people to, to run from, you know, the, the small staff that we have all the way to volunteers. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly a, that, that community aspect really does help keep the place run as well. But we've, uh, you know, we've been, you know, trying out a, a few new things. And, and this year, um, you know, my predecessor, Joan, had uh, organized um, the, the Hincapi folks to come here and do uh, their uh, their first sort of uh, Grand Fondo in the area. So the Hincapi Lehigh Valley Grand Fondo started this year. It, uh, it was the day after our opening night on June 4th. Which was pretty incredible, but a bit of a hectic <clears throat> opening weekend, right? But I mean... The, uh, the event itself, the Hincapi event, and of course opening night just seemed to pair beautifully. And you know, there were a lot of people that were in town for the Hincapi Fondo, maybe for the first time came and saw, you know, high level track racing and, you know, uh, the Fondo itself, tremendously well run, lots of people, you know, I, I was here volunteering the day afterwards and it just seemed like everybody was very, very happy. They really loved the course, challenging, right? But I think that's what a lot of Fondo athletes are looking for. And, you know, everybody said, geez, I'm going to come back next year and I'm going to bring a few friends along. So hopefully that snowballs favorably. Absolutely. Yeah, they've already set a date. It'll be the, the same weekend uh, next year. So I think what we shift back one day. So it'll be June 3rd okay. uh, next year. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting to have the Hinkapi folks back. Um, you know, it, it was great to see a lot of those folks that you mentioned come up here. I, I remember there was, there was this one group of friends from, I think it was South Carolina uh, that came up just to, to, to ride up here because they had done the one down uh, that down in, in their neck of the woods. And uh, they came out to Friday Night Racing. All the Hinkapi folk were given a, a free entry into, into the uh, Friday Night Racing that night. And they had a blast. Like they were up in the stands cheering, cheering, yeah, and and they'd never seen this kind of racing before. And then the next day, they got to finish on the track, track. which made it a, a fairly unique thing. You know, some people say, "Oh, you know, like, you know, what is, what does a Fondo have to offer?" And I'm like, well, they have offer a lot of good things, especially in this area. Even if you're, you know, from this area, you can you know sign up with them and and uh, go on rides that uh, maybe you've done before, but maybe they haven't been controlled by uh, my marshals or police, right? So you get to have a bit more freedom on the road. Plus, there's a lot of great stuff that happens before and after, and you get to finish on the track, which is which is a neat thing so so look for that next year to come back and 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 you know keep bringing new faces and new bodies to the track to, to learn about track cycling and and that, i think that's that's key to this whole this whole piece you talked about how do you how do you build the community and you know you make this place a hub for the community right, right. There's, there's already a lot of groups that that start their rides out of out of the uh, the parking lot on on you know wednesday evenings or saturday mornings and you know you've got the lehigh wheelmen and other clubs that start their start, start their, their journey rides here. start their yep. rides here and end here um you know so uh, it's already this place already has a community feel so you know expanding on that will will just serve to help bolster you know that that culture that we talked about earlier the more often people come here the more used they get to being here and it just becomes a place they instinctually think of uh, when they when they think about cycling right sure so i used to think of lehigh valley sort of had two draws for cyclists one obviously being the velodrome the second was that you know uh, bicycling magazine was based here uh, bicycling magazine, you know, still in the valley, but now way at the far edge of the valley, I think over in Easton. Um, and one thing that bicycling used to run very well and, and it, you know, use the track as, as a cycling center was they would run the bicycling fall classic. Um, that hasn't happened for a few years. And maybe, Andrew, do you want to talk a little bit about the idea of maybe we start to dip our toe in the water 
and run a, a velodrome fall classic or I don't, I don't know what we're going to call it but start to fill that gap because that was a wonderful ride and i think a lot of people would come to the area for it but i think we also had a lot of local participation as well absolutely so obviously we saw the success of the hincapi fondo in the spring uh so that uh, basically got the creative juices flowing and we said well you know uh, why don't we you know see if we can get something going for ourselves so we're, we're gonna try something small this year not certainly up to the same level that the Hincapie folks uh, did because they did work all year and that was their sole focus uh, for that one event in a large scale kind of thing so uh, we're looking at doing something in September uh, the date isn't hyper finalized yet but we're looking at maybe September 17th okay uh, where we'll, uh, we'll organize a small little fondo for uh, for the community to uh, sort of you know, start here at the velodrome we'll have some uh you know morning snacks and then head on out and do a ride around the the county and maybe stop at a few places uh we're thinking of stopping maybe at a lake or uh, we can certainly uh, have our friends at the rodale institute provide another rest stop for us it's a great place to stop they've got uh you know a lot of neat things happening there uh, i think they have a it's a little sort of like a museum or a shop that uh, talks about a lot of stuff they do there uh, with the organic farming and stuff like that and then come back here for maybe lunch uh, in the plaza you know low-key small but everything starts small right you right. Know, test the waters out, see how it goes. See what works, see what doesn't. Exactly. Right, learn so, from it, do better the next year. Yeah, so if you're interested in trying it out, uh, check out our website soon at thevelodrome.com. You'll see some details for that coming up uh, within the next week or two. Uh, you know, think of it as a, a large group ride in, in, in some respects, and then we'll see where we can go in, in future years. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that we want to do, Rick. You, you, I guess the last part of your question is, like, you know, what are the things that we want to do to, to uh, you know, add to the value here at the track? Well, we've got a couple of things that we're, we're doing coming up uh, over the next year that uh, I think uh, will be really interesting. Uh, the first one is um, we've got a movie night coming up in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I think, you know, we've got this, we've got this infield and uh, it's a great place and it's a, a controlled venue where we also have a concession uh, where we can sell food and drink and, and, a, and a bar as well if, uh, you know, there's some adults who want to enjoy mm -hmm. uh, an adult beverage while they watch a movie. Uh, so we want to give it a shot, see what it looks like. Uh, we're going to bring in one of those large inflatable screens like you see at the uh, at some of the movies in the park type thing. Okay. And, and we're going to be showing uh, the bad guys, which is a, an animated feature about uh, some animal criminals who decide they want to fly straight and it's all about their misadventures uh, doing that. So that's happening on August the 20th. Uh, we're calling it Spinner in a Movie. Um, ah, I like it. I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I've uh, I've gotten into that dad pun uh, <laughs> part of my age. So, um, so like like dinner in a movie. Uh, we're prior to the movie, we're going to be doing a spin session. So there's the spinner part mm -hmm. from six to seven thirty. Kind of like um, you know the adult fitness classes we run in the morning. It'll be a guided spin session with one of our coaches, just doing uh, you know some skills and drills that sort of stuff. Um, you know, not not a not a learning one. So if you've if you've not been through it, try the track or or some sort of skill set on the on the track. Uh, might might not be for you, but uh, anybody who has been to any of our community programming uh, would certainly be uh, welcome to come and, and try that out. And then uh, come off the track. Uh, 7:30, and then we'll start the movie just after dusk, after 8 p.m. So that'll be that'll be interesting and fun, and you know, it's something that I'd like to, to. If it works out and it's great and people like it, that's the kind of stuff that I'd like to see sort of continue on here at the track, especially if uh, you know we can find the funding to replace that scoreboard sure. uh, in corner three and four, because you know then we have a built-in screen where we could mm -hmm. show movies you know once a week, uh, right? Like a summer once series a week, or something like there. that. We don't have the the cost and the hassle of renting right. something, setting something up every week, and then taking it back down at the yeah. end of the night. Yeah. So if anyone out in listener land knows of anybody who wants to sponsor a new screen, uh, we know we're uh, we're happy to discuss uh, you know putting your name under that board for a couple right. of years to uh, to get it going. So very very receptive to that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, but the, the the venue itself, you know, it, because there's a lot of stuff that's already here. We're looking at doing a uh, a beer sampling festival. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yep. Yeah. We're working. Yeah, so, uh, we're so working with tell our. Tell us a little bit about it. For sure. So we're working with our, our main uh, beverage supplier, Shangi's the Beer Authority, and uh, 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 they're going to bring a whole host of craft breweries to the velodrome. Ones that I, I bet you that you've never heard of. There's a list of of uh, maybe thirty or forty. Thirty or forty. Wow. We okay. may not we may not get them all, uh, yeah. but certainly these are the ones that we're looking that at, uh, at, at yeah. bringing, bringing into the uh, into the velodrome. And I look down the list, and I'm like, yes, I'm I'm not from the area, but you know, I've I've you know through the last year or so, I've I've seen the different beers that mm -hmm. are on offer, and I recognize five of them. 
Uh, so we're talking about a lot of really interesting craft brews from Europe, from Asia, um, you know, not your normal kind of uh, sampling festival here. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great addition to the, the roster of non-cycling things that we do yep. here to bring people to the track who have never been here before and to see what we can we have on offer. But then also, you know, bring in some revenue for the track. Bring in some revenue for the track. But you're right, though, also bring in like people that have never been here before. Like you said, the people that live a mile and a half away didn't even know it was here. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've always struggled with is this area and you know you see it if you go for a bike ride you know pretty much in any direction at any time of day you'll see riders everywhere and there are a lot of people that identify themselves as cyclists one thing i've never understood um even in my competitive days i never understood it you know we have the crit across the street on a thursday night we just don't get a lot of crossover between the the participants the people that identify themselves as bike riders serious bike riders people that watch the tour de france on tv religiously every day when it's on in the morning or a recap in the evening we don't get a lot of them here on a friday night and i think i had a view that maybe there was a chunk of the community that became a bit disillusioned um with a prior director let's just leave it at that um, and we would see a bit of a changeover, you know, with sort of a change in administration and a new direction and, you know, more of an outreach. We're still struggling with that. So I think things we can do beyond just VeloFest, we've been doing VeloFest for a long time. That gets people here, um, you know, whether it's Spinner in a movie, whether it's, you know, this Fall Fondo, and hopefully we can build that into something really big over a few years or getting people to come here and drink beer. I mean, I really do want to have an outreach to the cycling community. And, you know, we're here for them. They're here for us. We wouldn't exist without one another. Without this velodrome being here, this would just be, you know, a cycling center, you know, a cycling area and a cycling culture like any other small city in the U.S. And I think the track is one thing that really distinguishes the Lehigh Valley. And I would just like to see more people here and out and not necessarily participating just come out and watch racing on friday night or enroll your kids in community programming or do something to support the track i mean it's sort of a help us help you absolutely you yeah. know it's interesting when we talked earlier about uh, some differences between you know t-town and, and the milton track um you know the one thing that t-town does have going for it that's really great is even even in today's lower numbers a really good sort of fan base that does come out on Friday nights. Um, so, you know, thank you to everybody who still comes out continually oh, for sure. 100%. on those Fridays. But, you know, that's 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 something that, that you know, continually impresses me is that, uh, you know, on a, we'll call it like a regular Friday night, which is like, you know, it's a national race or a local race, really. I mean, outside of the UCI stuff that happens here in early June, you know, you're going to see uh, even these days, three, 400 people in the stands. Um, in Milton, that's the kind of turnout they would expect for a Nations Cup really right you know okay. i mean it's a little yeah. bit more so they'll get like you know they'll get a thousand or you know 1500 on a night okay but, but you know for what what is equivalent to the friday night racing here if 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 there were 50 people in the stands i would be i would be surprised you'd be right? really surprised that you would know? be a good night yeah yeah so th 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 there are some logistical things around that um and you know the every track has its own uh, issues and stuff like that uh, but it doesn't it hasn't been around long enough and there hasn't been that community uh, culture that's been built here over time kind of thing so you know hopefully we can take the seed of people that are coming here and and convince people to you know hey you know despite all the different things you mentioned earlier that there's so many different things to do on a friday night now mm -hmm. whether it's to see one of the other farm sport teams <laughs> that are here uh, or you know go to the um, like right now we've got music fest going on so that's obviously a, a big draw and, and i wouldn't blame people to go into that versus a friday night uh, because it's something you know it's a it's a great uh, offering that lehigh valley has um, you know whether it's all those things or, or even just like you said staying at home and, and staying on your electronic device you know i, I think you know there's some things that we can do uh to uh, uh you know entice folks back to the stands and make racing a bit more interesting here uh at the very least sort of tighten it up and and uh you know offer them uh, an interesting uh enjoy enjoyable night out on a friday even if you're not into cycling and you don't understand cycling right you know, it's still a heck of a show it's still a heck, a heck of a, a spectacle show, you know yeah and, and, and we, we and we can spend some time educating new people as they come to the track and, and letting them know how great cycling is and sport to watch so maybe one more serious question before we move on to the lightning round, uh, which is a podcast tradition here at Talk of the T-Town. So we had an incredible block of UCI racing this summer. 
Uh, we had a lot of track records falling. You, you mentioned that earlier. We had a lot of Olympic champions, a lot of world champions here, a lot of people who wore sort of both hats, Olympic and world champions. Uh, I'm speaking of a couple of Dutch gentlemen that were here. And um, lady. That, that's true. Thank you. Uh, keep me honest. So UCI racing is something that really distinguishes T-Town from every other track in the United States. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? And I'd like to hear a view on it, your view on it um, in terms of hosting something like that. And then also maybe explain to our listeners sort of what that means and what having UCI racing in the United States means in terms of what the benefit is for the Federation. I think a lot of people don't really know that or understand, you know, that we're providing a lot of value for not just ourselves here. For sure. So um, I'm assuming that maybe 80, 90% of the listenership uh, knows what the UCI is. Well, but for the 10% who don't. <clears throat> so for the 10% who don't, um, you know, the UCI is the uh, the International Cycling Union or the uh, Union Cycliste Internationale. Um, it's the uh, governing body for the sport uh, as, as sort of appointed by uh, the IOC, the, uh, the Olympic Committee. So, so every, every international federation is basically placed in charge of the sport based on what the, the, the uh, uh, Olympic Committee sort of deems as the, as the international federation. And then from there, it goes on and uh, identifies a national federation within each participating country. So in the United States, it's USA Cycling. In Canada, it's uh, Cycling Canada. And uh, those national federations are, are charged with administering the sport within their country and then collaborating with the, uh, the UCI on international events that happen in the country and then also the high performance of their athletes as they move on into, into more international racing. So that's where the, the big key uh, part comes in in, in in running these international events. Um, it, it does a bunch of things. One, it allows um, our riders a chance to um, compete against riders from around the world uh, to see what the competition is like because, you know, like we said earlier, uh, cycling is a bit more of a European sport, so a lot of the big riders are from Europe, so it, it, it draws these riders into our, our own backyard to give our local riders a chance to compete against those riders and, and uh, you know, um, understand how racing works in that part of the world and different skills and tactics and whatnot. Uh, but it also has a, a bit of a practical and a, an administrative thing in that um, there are a lot of sort of regulations around uh, what's required for both athletes and, and uh, sort of countries to participate in some of these large events. Uh, so for athletes, they need, to ha they need to basically gain points, which are on offer at these UCI races. You know, different levels give you different amount of points. And, you know, however you finish in the race, if you finish first, you can, you know, easily get several hundred points all the way down to, you know, just a few points for coming in down further down the list. But these points are important in, in several respects. One, uh, actually, it's a brand new regulation. And I think uh, this was talked about in a previous podcast uh, with uh, with Zach Mano, one of right. the uh, mm -hmm. international commissaires here in the U.S., uh, about how riders now need points to enter into class one events, which is the, the, the level of event that's right below a Nations Cup, which is right below World Championships. World Championship. So yeah. third, third from the top, basically. And um, so you need 10 points just to enter in a race. So having international races here allows our local riders a chance to earn these points without having to break the bank and right. travel and to, to Europe or yeah. somewhere else mm -hmm. to gain these points. So it's, uh, it's, it's great for those individual riders to do that. And also the, the USA Cycling as the National Federation to not have to, to send riders away and, and you know, it keeps things low. Because it's expensive to travel, especially now these days with the price, price of flights sure. and gas going it, up and everything. It's expensive and it's also problematic and undependable. But other than that, it's terrific. Right. Yep. So, so you, know, um, you know, having that in the backyard, in your own backyard, is certainly very helpful. Uh, there's another practical reason. Um, there's a regulation that says that if a country wants to send athletes to world championships, they must run an international race. Um, so, uh, you know, USA Cycling is, uh, is required to, you know, host one race somewhere in, in the U.S. that uh, I believe it's, uh, the minimum is a C2 for sure, uh, which is the one below the C1, obviously. Right. And that's the lowest level of international racing that you can do. After that, it becomes a national race. But, um, you know, you have to have one of these races, uh, and the UCI does that to ensure that there's racing around the world kind of thing. So, uh, you know, much like Canada, they have to do it as well. They've, they've chosen the high road, and, you know, they've been running world championships and World Cups and Nations Cups uh, for the last little while in Milton because they have the because facility to do it. Because they have the facility it. to do it, right, um, yeah. You know, uh, there, there are certain restrictions. So, you know, we, at the current 
um, sort of list of what can and can't be done. We could never run a Nations Cup or, or an Elite World Championships here, but of course we're still allowed to do the, the Class 1 and 2 events. And uh, I'd have to look again, so don't quote me on this, but you know there might be a, a lower level championships we might be able to run, uh, like maybe Para Worlds or, or Junior Worlds still. Uh, but I know the UCI is shifting towards more like indoor 250s. Indoor for that. board 250s, yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, you know, you know, partnering with USA Cycling is pretty key um, because, you know, you know, if we, if we like running UCI racing here, you know, it it, uh, it brings in, like you said earlier, the big uh, the big guns from Europe and it, uh, you know, adds to the prestige of the track and it, uh, you know, it, it does draw in a bigger crowd uh, for those knights who are coming here to see those those athletes and, and the higher level of racing. Uh, so it certainly uh, fits into our program here, um, you know, but I also want to sort of call it you know, the, the, the cherry on the top of the Sunday that we're trying Absolutely. to build here, right? Yeah. You know, like it's, uh, I, I don't think it's it's the be all end all of everything we're doing here, but it's certainly at the culmination of, it, it can be the culmination of everything that we're doing, especially if we've, you know, built a very, very strong development program here underneath. And, and not everyone is going to go that way. You know, like the, there are several tracks in sport and, and, and in cycling. One of them is cycling, uh, cycling uh, or active for life, they'll call it, right? So, you know, you may not go pro, but you know, you've, you've developed this lifelong love of cycling and, and you keep doing it for the rest of your life but some may go pro right and, mm -hmm. and and having that pathway for them here and also our friends at usa cycling to help develop athletes from around the country is certainly important there are not a lot of tracks that can do this in in the u.s you know there's maybe a handful that could uh, put on these kinds of events and uh maybe i mean i don't want to you know you know sell any one track out but between carson and los angeles and here there aren't too many tracks equipped to to handle a, an event like that an event like this yeah and attract so, the attract the athletes and host them and yeah right so i think that relationship is, is really important on, on on both sides usa cycling can support us in, in what we want to do and then we can support them by hosting these events uh for for our athletes and their athletes as well so so that is certainly a relationship that i think uh, is important and i like what you said too it's the cherry on the top right it's the it's the really really visible part but you know, our mission here starts with community program, community involvement, and getting that built up. And, you know, it becomes the pyramid, right? It gets narrower as you get closer to the top. Um, anyway, all right. So uh, we've been talking for a while. Uh, we're going to bring this thing to an end shortly, but it would not be a Talk of the T-Town podcast if we didn't have a lightning round of questions. So um, these questions were developed and submitted uh, blindly. I'm not sure exactly who wrote them, so here we go. Uh, so, Andrew, what's your favorite food? Oh God, um, <clears throat> I like a lot of food. Um, you know, good food is 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 great. Uh, I'd probably have to say so. This is a shout out to my mom. Uh, her her home cooking. You know, there's nothing like going home and uh, having something that's homemade uh, that you grew up with. Uh, so uh, there's quite a few uh, uh, Polish dishes. That, okay. Uh, that she makes that I that I like, and every time I go back to Canada, I'm sure I'll be uh, you know hitting her up with a list of all those that I want to uh, that I want to have. Um, but stuff that I make, um, probably actually, there's a chicken curry dish that I make that I really like. So that's oh, okay. That's a that's probably a little my curry, a little spicy. Absolutely, that's good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Favorite rock band? Um, well, I mean, if you're, I don't know if this qualifies as rock, but my favorite band in the world is Depeche Mode. Okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm you know, at the risk of dating myself again, I'm not quite old enough to say that I grew up with the band, uh, but. Uh, uh, I certainly uh, listened to them uh, when they were playing on the radio. My dad listened to a lot of alt rock mm -hmm. in the '80s, and you know, I got into bands like that, uh, the new wave and the post post punk stuff. And uh, you know, I, I've seen Depeche Mode on pretty much every tour since the early '90s, and usually several times on that tour. So yeah, I would say nice, nice. Okay, so we're gonna go from favorite rock band to favorite bike brand. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I'll give a shout out to uh, to Fuji Bikes. Um, because, uh, you know, we were kind of like a small time distributor of Fuji bikes okay. in Canada. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, for me, it's probably, probably my racing bike. Uh, it's a company that is no longer around, uh, Guru. Uh, oh, I remember Guru. They, sure. ma they made yep. some excellent custom bikes out there. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, been on quite a few carbon, uh, frames and, and, I haven't been on one that is compared yet and maybe somebody will surprise me and i'll change my mind in the future but uh, that's uh, that's going to hold on to it for now so. all right guru it is um so here's a question maybe it's lost a bit of its luster over the years but can't be or shimano can't be can't be <laughs> there you go old school i like it uh okay preference in adult beverage um well i mean uh you know Beer is probably the uh, the go-to for me. Uh, I'm a big IPA fan, especially a nice unfiltered hazy IPA. Okay. Uh, with a nice citrus back, but I uh, also we do uh, sell something like that. Yeah, here, we, don't do, we? we do. We yeah. do. You should check it out at uh, at the <laughs> Shangy's Handlebar when you're here next Friday. 
But um, uh, I'll, in the summer, I'll, I'll also be seen uh, sipping on a gin and tonic with okay. a nice cold gin and tonic with a nice lemon. And then, uh, you know, if I have a nice steak, I think a nice, uh, a nice Pinot Noir would be great. So hard to argue with any of that, really. Yeah. Uh, best vacation you've ever taken? Oh, well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say my honeymoon. Which well, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a given. Where'd you go for your honeymoon? We went to uh, the Dominican Republic. Oh, Dom Rep. Okay, yeah, very nice. Yeah, down there. Uh, but um, outside of that, probably um, every time I've been to Europe, I love going to Europe. It's uh, it's a great, and I've I've been there for different reasons across the the continent. And I'm uh, looking forward to getting back. And probably the best vacation I've I've ever taken is one that I've never been on yet so like i you know i like there to travel look and forward look, i'm looking forward to, yeah. to any some of the new stuff that it might might happen in the future so what's the best bike race you've ever seen you mean like live or live. on tv yeah live live man i've been to so many they just blur together now it's it's really tough to say um probably one here you know i don't know um no i think uh to be honest the one that's popping to memory right now i don't know why because i think it's an interesting story so maybe maybe not the best bike race i've been to but probably an interesting story from one uh if you're if you're okay with that sure um so i was uh i was one of the motor commissaires at the grand prix montreal uh up in canada those are the two big uci mm -hmm. uh, world tour races that happen up there uh pro tour where they keep changing the name i don't know what it is these days but um, so I was on the bike and I was, uh, I was at the back and, uh, you know, the, I think they, the, the, the Peloton had, uh, decided that they weren't going to, you know, get too active and they weren't racing really hard, except there was this breakaway, four or five riders, a couple of Canadians in it, like off the front, you know, showing off the hometown crowd sure. kind of thing. But, um, those of you who've been to the race, it's a, it's a circuit race in downtown Montreal. I think maybe, um, 20 kilometer circuit at most. It's not very big. And, uh, I think they had put fi 15 or 18 minutes. Uh, on the uh, on the pack by this point, we're getting sort of feedback from uh, Moto Info and stuff, and uh, so the, uh, the the president of the commissaires panel gets on the radio, and he says to me, "He's like, I want you to stop and let me know how far behind they are because they were you know getting close because we knew the yep. circuit time was probably around 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, minutes, right. So. Like, yeah, can you lap the field? In a circuit right. Race? Well, yeah, you yeah, can't. Yeah. Right. If they yeah. lap the field, they would have had to have basically pulled the entire They're field. field right. Yeah. And they're not going to do that at, at, <laughs> at a pro that race. level. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I asked the motor pilot to stop and you know started the stopwatch and then you know sure enough they they come by two and a half minutes later right so they're just you know literally uh, 150 seconds behind the the, the back of the peloton. So uh, I get on the bike and I, you know, try to speed back to the, the front and I can hear on radio tour that uh, the, uh, the radio tour operator comes on and says, okay, everyone, uh, the, uh, the president of the commissaires panel has uh, uh, decided that if the breakaway catches the field, uh, that they're going to, you know, they're going to pull the whole, yeah. the whole, the whole group, right? And the reason they, they did that was to light a fire on the Yeah, everybody. yeah, get them lit Let up. me tell you, they uh -huh. caught that break in two laps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just... Bang, yeah, right. and it Throttle was wide open. Yeah, and yeah. and then, but I hadn't I hadn't made it back to the uh, the the group by that point mm -hmm. when when they did that, and and now so I'm I'm on the motor, we're trying to catch up, and uh, I, luckily I guess I or unluckily I don't know I the, my my motor pilot great guy he was the next Moto GP guy okay and he's like strap in yeah and right, I'm yeah. like holding on like for dear life when he's doing like 120 kilometers an hour you yeah. know on a motorcycle up and down the university of montreal you know, and I'm like, right yeah you know, carving turns yeah and, yeah, yeah. Light, life yeah. flashing before my eyes so it was uh that but that was a really cool race uh you know a lot of those uh neat scrappy one day races can certainly be interesting so so maybe you just foreshadowed so what do you like better classics or grand tours neither 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 i'm gonna throw a curveball at you this okay one. go two, ahead two point twos 2.2s. So for those of you in uh, Radioland, uh, that's like sort of like the lowest level of stage racing that can happen on, on, on road cycling. Okay. Um, it's, uh, you know, like the Tour de Beauce, for example, is a 2.2. Mm -hmm. So class 2.2, yeah. meaning it's a multi-day race. Um, and uh, it's... Uh, I like it because that's the same kind of thing I like in, in most other professional sports. I don't I don't necessarily like the top level. I like watching sort of mid tier sports yep. because it's kind of like an any any given Sunday. You know, weird things can happen. Yeah, it's not and, scripted. Right. You yeah. know, like especially like you look at some of the, the the racing nowadays. Like you know, rider goes off the front, stays out for 180 kilometers, gets caught within three k to go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, yep. I knew the outcome of this race before it even started. Mm -hmm. But with these lower level races, we have the up and coming stars, which is also another benefit. You get to see people well before their prime. I mean, you know 
looked at some of the Canadians that happened, you know, the tour, Hugo Hool and Michael Woods mm-hmm. are now top contenders in the tour. I saw these guys racing when they were just starting and, and that stuff was, was, you know, fun to watch because they tried stuff and it was scrappy. And, yeah. yeah so. And you can try stuff and people right. let you go, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. And then finally, like, and back to where we are now, what's your favorite competition on the track? You know, I like them all, um, you know, uh, but I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the Omnium. Um, okay. I think that's probably the most interesting one uh, just because of uh, the nature of how the the, the, the tournament is, is structured. You know, it's four races. Um, I like all of them. Uh, a lot of people complain about the tempo race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm... I think it's a it's an interesting race. It's it's uh, it certainly can can uh, can change the outcome of the race, and it's evolved uh, over time since they've introduced it. Obviously, the UCI is trying to you know fix it a little bit and, and try to make it uh, um, you know sort of fit the the mold a bit better. Uh, elimination race. I mean, it's got all the greats, all the great endurance all races great, in one. Yeah, right? All rolled into one. Elimination right? is a great uh, race to watch, and then all those points that you've just earned now come into the points race, which is, you know, probably my, my favorite single race as well. Um, and then just the, the strategy, the tactics that go on, you know, riders get like mm-hmm. a, like a road race, riders get let go off the front. You know, these guys who are down and, you know, they've only got 20 or 40 points. points that, right. Yeah. Nobody cares if they go off and lap the field and, you know, riders are marking themselves and, you know, you even see it earlier on in, in the early races when, you know, riders don't care if they finish third or fourth in a tempo because, you know, all they needed was that one point yeah. just to get in the top five, just so they can get those, you know, 36, 38 points, whatever. So it's not a, it's not like the strategy is, is really important. And, you know, obviously you need to be able to stay in the race, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a great race. Um, it's the, yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I love the Omnium. And we just had our Tokyo uh, Omnium Olympic champion here for a couple of weeks, right? Jen Valente was here for UCI block, came back for nationals. That was really cool. It was. So maybe final question. So, um, People, when you leave, you, you know, you leave a legacy, you leave your mark, and I know you just got here, um, but sort of what is it that, you know, your view of the most important thing to do to leave your legacy when 10 years from now, when we talk to you again and you're running Cycling Canada or, or you know, president of the UCI, no, I wouldn't wish that on you. Um, <laughs> you, you know, like what's important for you in your tenure here at T-Town while you're in the chair? I mean, what is it you really want to accomplish? And you want to look back fondly on and people want to say, wow, you know, when Andrew was here, you know, this changed and this changed really, really for the better. And, you know, we'll always remember you for that. It's um, it's interesting because I've never uh, considered myself uh, kind of like an out front kind of guy. You know, I'm a, you know, behind the scenes, try to, you know, help build stuff and make stuff work and all that kind of stuff. So I've, you know, to, to say like, you know, people remember me for doing something I, you know, I don't want to I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with that. Like I, I want to, you know, I want to build, I want to continue building the community that's already here and, and, and engage everybody to, to help and, you know, make it, make it be like a group effort kind of thing, you know? So maybe, you know, when Andrew was here, uh, this happened, not Andrew did this you yeah. know, the, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think we touched on it earlier, you know, we talked about the pyramid, uh, you mentioned the pyramid and, and, you know, this, you can't build the top of the pyramid and expect it to float in midair, right? You know, you start with the base right, and you build everything right. up and everything will build from that. And, you know, if, if, if people remember the, you know, the, the tenure that I was here, that, that, that the group, the community, the, the staff, the volunteers, we all helped to build that base layer, the community programs, getting new people into the sport, getting new people to the track, that I would consider a successful time here at the track because everything will just build on top of that. And, you know, it almost, it'll almost happen by itself. You know, you build that base, it's easy to then go and just build the next level and, you know, start, you know, trying out new things and building racing and, and, you know, getting bigger stuff happening, that kind of stuff, you know, you can't build from the top down. So I think if, if I'm known for, for having, you know, rekindled that community spirit here, then I think I'll, I'll, I'll be satisfied that'll, with that. That'll go a long way for sure. And, and I look forward to that. So Andrew, thank you for the time today to all of our listeners. Thank you for the time and for your years for our valuable sponsors and our supporters. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Talk of the T-Town podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate us and leave a comment on wherever you consume your podcasts. To find out more on this week's guest, head on over to our website, thevelodrome.com, to check out the show notes and subscribe so you never miss an episode.